and indeed I'm joined now by Anne Taoiseach Michal Martin. Good morning Taoiseach. Good morning Brendan. So Taoiseach you're saying there we may have to dig a little deeper to get through this time and I think as always with the pandemic some are going to have to dig a little deeper than others aren't they and there's there's terrible pain out there this morning among people some of whom have only worked sporadically for the last two years and now looking at a Christmas again with layoffs and no money Absolutely. coming in. Absolutely uh, from the get-go uh, Covid has been devastating for I think in particular the hospitality sector, uh, aviation, tourism, uh, sectors that facilitate the gathering of people. And it's been stop start. Uh, some rarely have opened at all, like the nightclubs, for example, that nighttime economy. And corresponding with that or parallel with that, young people have had a very difficult then as well. The, mm-hmm. the normal rites of passage, young people going to college, they haven't really had a college experience in the last two years that we would have had. Uh, their social life has been uh, truncated um, and, and, and disrupted uh, to a significant degree. Uh, so a lot of desolation there, yeah, and, yeah, and a lot yeah. of devastation because people who own restaurants, own pubs, own theatres, performers, artists, they want to entertain, they want to serve people. That's their DNA. You must have felt like you were um, in a bit of a no-win situation yesterday. Yes, um, in one sense, yeah, uh, but very clear-minded at the same time in terms yeah. of the need to do this. Uh, I am very worried about Omicron. Yeah. Uh, and maybe if there's anything, I think it's conveying that sense of what public health people are telling us, not just in Ireland, but globally, that this is a serious issue because it spreads so fast. How worried Maybe, are you? Uh, very worried, uh, yeah. to be honest. I, I, I'm apprehensive in terms of what this might mean, in terms of sheer scale of infection, volume of cases, and the great unknown at the moment, which is why we can't take risks. The great unknown being, how severe is this in terms of um, requiring hospitalizations and ICUs and just damaging people in terms of health? And I mean, yeah. the positives are the, the vaccines do protect us from severe illness. They may not protect you, the first and second dose, from infection, from getting infected. But the public health and, and people, experts in the field, believe it will give significant protection uh, against um, severe illness. So they, they are the, the clear yeah. uh, issue for us in terms of individually and collectively as a society to get as, va- as many vaccinated and boosted as we possibly can, as quickly as we can. You, you, said, you said last night, you said that this week is the, the highest level of concern you've seen among EU leaders when you're out in the EU. Do you think the worst of this pandemic could still be in front of us? Well, it could very well be in terms of, certainly it's it's that severity question that is unknown um, and the data simply isn't there. And I was watching BBC World News from Europe, you know, I came in at midnight after the council meeting on on, on Thursday to to switch it on just to get a sense of what's happening in Britain. Uh, And that's quite worrying in terms of the scale. Susan Roberts, who's a distinguished public person there, who's Irish, I believe, was making the point it will take them two to three weeks maybe to have a sufficient number of Omicron patients in hospitals to actually really determine mm-hmm. how does this impact on health. Uh, we simply cannot take the chance to wait for that to happen because by then it will simply be too late yeah. uh, and, and real damage will have to be done if we, if we didn't intervene. Yeah, and, and, and you and, and Tony Holland were very clear last night that this is a precautionary step. Is it wishful thinking to think that things might turn out better than we imagine and that we wouldn't we might be able to review these restrictions we're going to keep them under constant review it's never wishful thinking uh, i mean i think w- when we made took measures earlier in november it did impact on delta the booster did as well but delta was worrying at, at a particular stage people actually adjusted themselves to be fair 
when they saw the case numbers rising, they got the message about working from home. People, we know from the Amoric research that about 61% of people cancelled their appointments. Uh, and, uh, you know, 81% said they would be looking differently and, and reducing social contact. So people are learning themselves as we get through, go through mm. this pandemic and behaviour adapts. Uh, so we moderated behaviour behavior So there's no enough inevitability here is what you're saying. Sorry? You, you don't believe there's an inevitability no, here. No, there's not an inevitability. I mean, yeah. behaviour does matter. You know, the combination of behaviour and boosters will matter yeah. in terms of reducing the impact of this. That's the point and that's why we're moving early. Okay. And then I suppose the question on the other hand, you mentioned the UK who now seem to be this morning uh, looking at the notion of a two week circuit breaker lockdown. They love a simple solution to everything in England. We'll have Christmas and then a two week palate cleanser afterwards. Are these restrictions going to be enough? That's a fair question. Um, and I can't give any guarantees in, in, in respect of that. Um, Philip Nolan talking to us both earlier in the week and again yesterday is making the point that he thinks he's he, the modelling is, is, is somewhat veering on the optimistic. He's, he's making uh, assumptions about the virus, you know, that may not be as as bad, you know. So he's, he's, he's making this point to us that we need everything to go in our favour here okay. uh, to get the so, outcome that so, we want, you so know, what, in terms of both the restrictions and in terms of... What was he optimistic about? Well, I mean, when I say optimistic, these words can be... Uh, I, I, I know, you know, I know they, but, I, but I'm seizing on it all the same. Like, be, yeah, yeah. No, he, he's basically, he's optimistic scenario, you know, you, you have it there, but, but it's... Yeah. He's saying he's making assumptions about the virus that it may not be as impactful on um, on, on on patients, for example, yeah. or create as much severe illness. We don't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Certainly, and then, there are numbers making, out from South Africa overnight yeah. that would suggest that that link with hospitalizations could be uh, almost broken. But at the same time, we all know we di- very different places. And there's a caveat there in the sense yeah, that yeah. we're talking about a very young population yeah. uh, as well, uh, with a lot of acquired maybe acquired immunity. We don't know. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I think I think some people are wondering a bit what happened last week, right? Because we, Tuesday we were holding our nerve. What were you told by the CMO on Tuesday? Well, the, the first thing on Tuesday, we, we I, I wanted a meeting with just three party leaders, the Minister for Health. Uh, the so CMO. that what happened on Thursday wouldn't happen? No, I know. No, no, no. But, but no, so that there wouldn't be the no, mess we, there we, was. We, Wasn't that the idea that there'd be no surprises? No, actually, it was to okay. talk through Omicron. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah. let, Let's get a, away from the, the headlines, if you like, and the headlights. We had organised this meeting some okay. days in advance. Of, that. of course, they got out that we we're going to meet and so on like that. But that, but the real issue, I genuinely have to say this, because people go on about Neffet government tensions and all of that. My view is we've got to be... We've got to engage with, with each other, but yeah. at the same time, respect the demarcation lines. But, but I'm not I think a, pub- a lot of people's the, understanding yeah. will be that after that meeting on Tuesday, uh, the tarnish that certainly came away suggesting there would be kind of tweaking to the, to, the, to the rules, but nothing as dramatic as what was suggested. Was that the impression you came away with on Tuesday? No. I mean, I, I think they indicated quite clearly to us the areas they were looking at. The more important point, we went through thematically. In other words, look, what's the big message on Tuesday night? No more than yesterday was we've got to reduce overall social contact. Okay. No, what we did, these through, to be straight, which was they said we're going to look at hospitality, we're going to look at large gatherings, we're going to look. And okay, so I said, okay, let's talk through this. What happens if we say close hospitality? What do you get? You get Do you get a massive t- relocation of people from one location, which is reasonably regulated, mm. back into households? And they took on board what we were saying and they were listening 
you know, and and they would they they get it too. I mean, this is not. So were they favouring at that point or suggesting that closing hospitality no, might no, be that, the way to go on Tuesday? This is a general discussion, okay. not about specifics. Okay, and I don't but want to be putting words into, in other people's. Okay, but, but you we did got get into, into discussing the why. Yeah, and I want to make scenarios. yeah because I think yeah. it's important that yeah. people know we talk no, things through. Is, yeah. You know yeah. that it's not a kind of a sudden thing. So I sensed there would be restrictions in hospitality. The specifics of that I couldn't call, uh, and there is a demarcation line here because I'm not the public health expert, and I res- yeah. I've always said from the outset that public health has to be central to our response to the pandemic. I've got to respect the independence of public health advice. I may choose then, as a political leader, to dis- disagree with that and take different decisions. You're not going to do that right now, though, are no. You? But we did modify um, what, yeah. what what emerged yesterday, yesterday in respect of hospitality. Um, so can I go? But back I could to the, could yeah. I say though that yeah. even Leo, myself, and others would talk through it as well. We'd have talked about the weekend I think all three leaders were getting the Omicron issue Oh yeah uh, I mean we all knew we all yeah, knew about yeah, Omicron yeah. but it does seem that the narrative has been spun that on Thursday night you're in Brussels you get the letter were you shocked surprised blind the 5pm bit you know didn't even be 5pm but am I shocked that I, know I would have talked to officials and so on not in health no we were just you know you'd be sort of saying what what, what, we knew the areas that were going to be looked at. We kind of had reconciled ourselves to the idea that large gatherings, which made, made sense. I yeah. mean, this thing is ripping through society so fast yeah. that large gatherings de facto now constitute a breeding ground for, for Omicron. Um, so, but the actual specifics, uh, that's a matter for, for, for NEFA to come up with their yeah. specific proposals. And were you surprised uh, by the 5pm? I, 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 not fully surprised. But, okay. but I mean, when I say I knew there'd be restrictions, um, I, I, f- I felt myself it, it was um, just too early. Uh, and I think we have to balance this to, there's the hospitality sector, but there's also people, you know. Mm. Uh, so I felt there is, and I have this view that you could be pushing people too far, too fast, into too early into households and so yeah. on, and that people do need to get out over the Christmas period and have a, one outing at least. It could be early afternoon. It could be from that five to eight period or four to eight period, um, and just to give people some quality of life. Is that kind of what you're telling people, though? That maybe one outing. I think we've got to reduce. All of us have got to reduce. Yeah. Would like to give people a rule of thumb. Would you think one one out for a few Christmas? I'm not going to be that specific, Brenda. Like really, I mean, yeah. I think people might welcome it. No, they'd be saying, they "Who, who, who, who doesn't?" They all think he's telling us how, how often we can go out. Yeah. I think, but I will say the public health. I'm saying we've got to reduce. I'm reducing social context. I think people will. The key metric really was that we're trying to reduce overall social context by about twenty to thirty percent. That's where. Philip Nolan is right. they're saying look don't go out as often maybe you know just moderate that RSVP ad we have uh, you, you know in terms of assess the risk yeah. uh, don't go out with symptoms assess the location the, the, the numbers of, of, of people that will be in a given location just take uh, assess it before you go out do the antigen tests a lot of people are doing antigen testing now before they go out for a meal and so on they, like that. they are but you see I feel and not being smart now, but you talked during the week about how we all need to be doing antigen testing now to protect ourselves and our loved ones. You said last night we now want a culture of antigen testing in the country. The reason we don't have a culture of antigen testing is because they were snake oil. People didn't know how to use them. Like we fought public health in this country fought tooth and nail against a culture of antigen testing. Correct. Yeah. They, they had a real issue with it uh, for too long, in my view, and we had a dis, you know we had a disagreement on that. Um, and um, I, I was an, a more earlier believer um, in the value of antigen testing. Public health had a view that it could be 
uh, more damaging in, in their sense that people might think they were f free and, and, and they, were, they were clear if they got a clear antigen test. Uh, but a positive antigen test is a very valuable thing. Yeah, uh, so the message now so is that we should all be doing it on a routine well, basis. Well, I think, yeah, I, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, yeah, if you're going out with a group of people and so on, just, you know, just take an antigen test in advance. It doesn't give, you know, you, 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 but I think, uh, that, I think that sense of precaution, that culture of just being aware of the risks helps in the overall reduction of the spread of, 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 of the variant because we are yeah. dealing... So should we not then, if that's going to be a valuable weapon in the next month, damn the expense and carpet bomb the country with free antigen tests? Because you know and I know that like... I bought antigen tests from you no know, from the chemist yesterday. Like, yeah. but they, they, it was seventy quid for a box of twenty. Right, I'll probably have to buy another box of twenty next week. Anyone who doesn't have the money is not going to do antigen testing. Should we not be giving people antigen tests? Well, I think we there are no very much reduced in price in terms of the, of the major multiples and so on. Yeah, uh, we did look fairness. at that. We, the advice that we had the expert group didn't feel we should do that uh, in, in terms of do the you, expert do group do you not feel you should do it though you clearly I, I, twice now you've mentioned it yeah. this week you'd like a culture of antigen testing 5 for 12 in Aldi by the way I think is the cheapest you'll get should, do you feel we should give them out? I'm not. I'm not in, in favour of giving them out freely no. in, in, okay. in, a, in a wide way. I think the, the, the model we currently have, we're giving out about a hundred thousand free in terms of close contacts at this stage through the HSE. They're giving out free in terms of close contacts within schools. Third level nine million was allocated to give them out free to third level students. They are targeted, and and, and serial testing in the food industry. So there's a lot of free antigen tests being dispersed in a targeted way. And given logistics and supply chain and so on, I think it's important that we keep a balance uh, in terms of how we use them. OK, OK. Um, now, uh, in terms of there are, there are people saying, how does this make sense? And I, I know the, the CMO has said, yes, some people will go to homes, uh, but the quantum overall will be reduced. But like I'm just thinking I'm boosted, right? I can't go, I can't sit outside, say, at five past eight with one or two other guys who are boosted as well, have a Christmas drink even outside, right? I can be in a house, probably not very well ventilated, with four families there, intergenerational mixing, probably a mixture in terms of how vaccinated people are, children not vaccinated at all. Is that not like where Omicron is going to spread? We see the spread of it seems to be six times more in, in, in households. Like, is it... Are we are we hitting the right target here? Like, well, and that's the very debate that we've had all week. Uh, when I mentioned the, the discussion on Tuesday night, and and um, the the public health will say that overall the number of there'll be an overall reduction um, in terms of people engaging and meeting up because Did you of have these four measures. households in your house at Christmas. Four households. Yeah, um, you plus three. Would you like? Oh yeah, I would. I would. You yeah, would. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Would you? Yeah. yeah. In okay. line with the advice, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and okay. and the, what's interesting, the, the booster campaign is really ramping up. Many people are now boosted. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that will give extra protection um, for people, and I think that is is a very key factor. Yeah. I think. And it's I, a pity we. I mean. I take your point. I think everyone agrees now we're pulling out all the stops. It's a pity, like, isn't it, that we, we missed, like, three weeks there after Nyack, um 
after NIAC approved them and we and were slow. Ah, we were slow. Well, I think the, <laughs> there was, I think the advice was, was, was you know, in, in terms, but I mean, this is a long haul too. I think we need to, like, it's it's a bit more of a marathon than a sprint. But the point I'm making there is the, the, the staging and the, it's I mean, a this sprint is, right now, though. We could but it's the clinic, well, it's a clinical advice earlier. was clearly, you know, I would have, you know, preferred it in September if we could have started. Yeah. They started on the 4th of October following the advice. Yes, uh, initially, um, it, the, the, but at the same time, we're fourth in Europe, you know. I know. Uh, yeah. You know, and I trust the people at the helm of the vaccination uh, programme in the end to get this out. Okay. I think the GPs, by the way, I just have to say it, uh, take my hat off to them. Absolutely. Um, I think they're doing a fantastic yeah. job. The yeah. pharmacies are now rolling up their sleeves. The vaccinators in the centres. And one of the problems was like we came max in the summer. You couldn't have seen your health personnel hanging around for two months doing very little. They went back into the hospital system. Uh, and that's something we're going to have to work on in terms of second and third generation vaccines into the future. Yeah. Uh, we almost need now an independent um, sort of vaccination f- f- capacity. Do we, uh, do uh, we need know? a permanent army of vaccinators? We're going to have to work on that, yeah. yes. Yeah. But you see, you you can picture the scene from Paul Reed's point of view, the HSE's point of view. I mean, I could see it in the early vaccination programme, which wasn't one of the best in the world. Like, there's no point in saying otherwise, they did a fantastic job. But the HSE had key hospital personnel, mm. key pharmacists from the hospitals, really running the show uh, in the vaccination centres. And I met them. And these were people who knew how to organise, who knew how to do the logistics. That's why it was so successful. Uh, when we reached our peak in July, August, then some of those went back into the system. Uh, and, and that's understandable. Uh, so is work, one, is work under, uh, underway it is, to work. create a permanent apparatus and a permanent staff for Well, that. I mean, we're, we're going to have to look at that. I mean, obviously, yeah. and, or at least have that kind of flex to, to, to flex it up fairly quickly again. Yeah. But again, uh, there, there may be, there'll be further developments in vaccines. I've no doubt about that. One of the issues here is the duration and the length and longevity of the vaccine protection. Yeah. Uh, so I can sense that there'll be more research and more work done on that, uh, which could mean uh, it could mean an annual vaccine. It could mean variant specific vaccines being developed. Europe is already working on that in term in respect of Omicron, uh, and decisions will be taken on that on, on that quite quickly. Um, so that doesn't seem to me to suggest that we do need to have. Uh, that capacity there to turn on fairly quickly when needed. Yeah, which is kind of, um, that makes me think of the tarnish that has taken at the press conferences after the announcements the last two times to, I suppose, uh, you could call it musing out loud about the duration of things. And I think he's alarming a lot of people with it, but I presume he's thought it through and he seems like a, a guy who reads his stuff and knows his stuff. So his musings last night were that, you know, Young people, you've had two bad summers. We've had very restricted summers. Next summer, you're going to be freer. But he he talked about this in terms of a long war with periods of freedom. He talked about other winters and everything. He seems to think we're we're facing into a kind of a permademic here. Do you share that? Or are you more hopeful that we might get out of this, like, spring, summer next year? Well, I'm always the half glass full personally I've been told that a long time in my life yeah. you're right, you're right. so the, the optimist in me keeps looking through that half glass full sort of prism um, I get the sense that I, I look at this over a 12 month framework and I'm saying we're actually in a better place it doesn't look like it this morning and I hasten to add for a lot of people it doesn't but vaccination has been the big game changer this year um, I think 2022 I, my gut is telling me it'll be better I yeah. think there'll be more advances on medicines 
there'll be probably towards the latter part again more developments on vaccine fronts. When, when are we going to get? I know you Early. place a lot of store in the antivirals. Well, when I, are we going to get? I them? think they're. I, I, it's like everything. I don't see any silver bullet, but I think yeah. when you add it all together, it gets a bit strong. Our capacity is getting stronger to, to resist this. So thing. when will we see the I Pfizer in, in I use think here? we're looking at early in the year. You know, yeah, January, I would hope. January. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to check that fully, yeah. be precise. But the okay. authorizations are in train. Have you spoken uh, we, to Pfizer here? Because I think it's being partially made in Ringiskiddy, isn't it? So have you spoken yeah. to Pfizer here about maybe getting us some? Well, we have a pre-purchase agreement with Europe. Yeah, and um, they're also the companies are also in touch with the HSE in relation to procurement of. of uh, there's there's a Pfizer one. And there's a Merck one as well. I think. Okay, okay yeah. but you think January they'll be on stream? So. I that's a that, yeah. that's a bit of hope for people. There's a there's a few specific questions that that people have been in touch with. There, uh, I have an email here. This is a person who has recovered from COVID in October. The COVID recovered had not had their waiting time cut from six months. A back of the envelope estimate suggests uh, that Adrian says that half a million people have had COVID in the last six months. He points out they'll have to self-isolate for 10 days if they're a close contact, whereas boosted people only do so for five days. Yet we have to wait six months for a booster. And uh, he he points out, and, and we know this from South Africa as well, that prior infection seems to offer little or no protection against Omicron uh, at the moment. So he's talking about this forgotten half a million COVID recovered. Like it's four weeks in the UK after you recover when you can get a booster. Is there any plan to change that, given we have fast-tracked them for so many other cohorts? Well, all of these are kept under review by the National Immunisation Advisory Committee. They do uh, give us the advice, which I think is a correct structure. Uh, we can all have our lay person sort of get it out fast. Politicians would love to get everyone boosted tomorrow. Yeah. Always remember that the people advising us are saying you're injecting a well person with a medicine. I mean, that's what a vaccine is. And so they have to weigh it up very carefully. But I do Would you like to see that change? I'd like to see that change, but that's something that uh, I think will be under review by by NIAC. Okay. Uh, Have you heard any discussion about it? My sense is that we're moving towards shorter durations. Okay. Okay. There's another question here, and I know there's a kind of a broader thing here. Can you please ask the Taoiseach when the booster will show up on our COVID search? Because, you know, there are a lot of people delighted they get the booster and they keep checking their search to see if it says they're boosted. And we will need that at some point. Oh, we will need it. And the European Commission will be bringing forward proposals to make it, uh, you, 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 will, you, you will have to have it on your uh, digital COVID cert for Euro, European-wide access to facilities and service travelling across Europe. Um, so in, in the new year, we'll be working very quickly to get that um, logistically organised from a okay. technology point of view. The but, tech isn't there for it yet. Uh, no, but I think they will, they, will, they will be in a position to do it. I mean, uh, the, the focus at the moment is to get the booster out. Uh, but clearly, it's going to be a key aspect of the, of, of the COVID cert. How confident are you that schools will open again in January? I'm confident it will yeah. be challenging, uh, but uh, I, I think the what, what Neffet are saying to us is that numbers have stabilised in schools in the last while. Uh, I think there was a huge problem after the midterm break. They're suggesting that the midterm, uh, the Halloween break, created a, f- a fairly significant rise in cases. Um, we will be rolling out the, ch- the children's vaccines for all of children cohort, for all of the children. Uh, in early January, we'll be doing the high priorities children uh, on the 20th of December through hospitals, paediatric hospitals across the country uh, as, as in line with NIAC advice and then the other two categories uh, shortly after that. So I think from about the 10th of January onwards, then it's open to all children between five and 11. OK, but obviously Omicron could change the whole calculus around the schools, couldn't it? Uh, Omicron can 
can, can change the context for everything in our society. We've put a high premium on education and on schools um, because it is so important to the development of the child being in a school. I left the school the other day. The principal and deputy principal said to me on the way out, look, no one here wants schools closing. Yeah. Because they said the buzz they got when the kids came back to school was enormous. They just felt it. This is where kids should be naturally. Um, and so that that is our objective and that's our determination. So if we're in a bad way with cases with Omicron in January and we even find ourselves having to shut down a lot of other things, the schools will be effectively the last thing to go then, would they? Well, we don't want to do closed schools, I've yeah. that with you, you know, yeah. and uh, we want to keep schools open uh, okay. for the benefit of kids and, and young people. Um, how do we feel, what, what's our, our message uh, to people coming home from the UK for Christmas? I think it's okay to come home. Do you? Yeah. Um, I think people, they may get access to the booster in, in the UK yeah, before you come home, but take the tests, uh, do the testing afterwards when you come here for five consecutive tests. Will they do it? Yes. Yeah. I think people will. Do we you underestimate know, people too. remember the carry-on last Christmas though? We can, we can overestimate them too. Like every town in Ireland will tell you the carry-on last Christmas with people who came home. You know that. But I think we've learned from that too, haven't we? Do you know? Yeah. Think about it. You okay. know, I, I heard all those anecdotes after Christmas. You know what yeah. went on. And I think part of that problem, Brendan, was we had six weeks of a lockdown. Remember? And we opened the gates like, you can't keep it going forever. This time it's a different momentum into Christmas because we've had the earlier checks on Delta. You know, we work from home. The warning signs were there. The numbers were going up. It's a different sort of uh, timeline this time okay, and a different mood uh, and, and approach. So I think the mood is different um, and that's the sense we're getting from all the, you know, the behaviour surveys and assessment of public opinion that we can get. So we're um, trusting people this year to come home and do the right thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, are we worried at all that our, our PCR testing, I know, is, is being stepped up and everything, yeah. but if we look at the level of cases, we could have get 30,000 positives a day. Yeah. Like if even if we're up to three hundred thousand PCRs a week, if there's two hundred and ten thousand positive cases coming through, it's, the, the testing is going to be overwhelmed again, isn't it? Are there's we going to be good, back in a situation? Well, where there's a good chance that, ha- of, that there's a good possibility of that happening with the level and the scale of Omicron. Um, the HSE hope to be at about between antigen and um, PCR. They hope to be at about three fifty thousand. Closely, will be at. 350,000 now uh, tested it about 225 last week now worryingly I think positivity is 18% again um, which was back at 13% um, over a week or two ago so Omicron really? yeah so the signs are there now it's it's showing in the figures I think today's figures probably will be higher uh, than yesterday's. Um, was yesterday so, a bit of a blip? I think some people took a bit of weird comfort in the middle of everything yesterday. I think it is, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So they're on, they're, the, the expectation the is up again. We're yeah. on a big upper trajectory yeah. now for the next yeah. while. Okay. Can I ask you about something else? Um, there, the Irish Times is reporting during the week uh, and it started with the company who distributes Mercedes-Benz here moved on to include like things like Supermax, Krispy Kreme Donuts, uh, all these companies that had very good pandemics, a lot of them. Uh, I know you won't comment on particular uh, taxpayers, but like I think people are furious that these companies got huge subsidies from the state, particularly the, the TWSS and the EWIS, which were, I know, the biggest uh, spending that we had in this pandemic. These companies got millions of taxpayers' money that they did not need. They paid it out in dividends, some of them. Others had massive profits. They should give the money back, shouldn't they? Um, they should. Um, and, um, you know, government, I think, in an unprecedented way, 
with the objective of preserving jobs, keeping companies viable, keeping entities viable, um, provided these schemes, which I think worked in, in the overall in terms of really saving, not just saving our economy, but preparing, or sorry, giving our economy the capacity to bounce back. Like we, we are the fastest growing in quarter three in Europe. And I think because we underpinned companies and so on and gave them the wherewithal to be there when that you know when we reopen society and so on so that 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 kind of stuff undermines then that endeavor by government to do the right thing for the country as a whole Uh, and i think people need to examine and obviously i know the the ministers uh, pascal donahue and michael mcgrath will be looking at this as well um and and get to the so are these companies going to be actively chased up I think there will be engagement. Yeah. I think there will also be an examination of it and, and to get a full story and a full picture in relation to it. But it's not in the spirit of what government w- was was doing here. Our job was to protect workers, really, keep them in, tied to the companies, keep the expertise, keep yeah. the specialism tied to the company, give the company a chance to ride out the storm, so to speak, so that it could bounce back. Yeah. The economy has been has rebounded remarkably um, across Europe and, and in Ireland particularly uh, because of, I think, the success of reopening and, and the, man, the way we manage it. That's my view. Um, and because of those schemes. Um, yeah. And um, so, so yes, I think we have to examine that. Uh, and, and the danger with this, and I'd say this to companies out there generally and to industry generally, the danger with this is you undermine the principles upon which we do these decisions and they make us think again yeah. in terms of how we roll out future schemes. Yeah, and look, we should say those companies will all say they use the money for what it was intended to, to Yes, of course, yeah. 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 I, I, look, again, there needs to be more detailed examination of it. Listen, um, you mentioned Pascal Donoghue there. So Pascal Donoghue seemed to suggest during the week that 100 years on the civil war might be over and that there was a prospect of the government going into the next election, as he said, being able to put the case of the Irish people that this historic government have done our best, that we've guided the country and asked the people to re-elect us. Yeah. <laughs> Two things there, right? I don't buy the historic thing about the civil war is ending now. Okay. Like the civil war ended in 1923. Yeah, okay, okay. No, it's important. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. give you my hobby, Harris. Fianna Fáil was starting in 26. Like that was the beginning of the end okay. of the civil war because we expanded. And if you look at an ERSI study in the 50s or, or a similar body, fascinating study, many people who took the pro-treaty side ended up voting Fianna Fáil and many people who took the anti-treaty side were voting Fianna Gael by the 50s. There's a complete simplistic, simplistic narrative okay. about... Anyway, okay, that's we'll over take it, the, right? ner- the nerdy yeah. background there yeah, now okay, to, yeah, okay. to, to this... <laughs> In future elections, parties will stand on their own uh, policy platforms. Uh, by the way, we will um, sort of defend government's performance. And as far as I'm concerned, the government has been groundbreaking. I think we've made a step change on climate change. Uh, there's no question about that in terms of the laws we've passed. I think this will historically be seen as a turning point in Ireland once and for all getting to grips with, with the climate issue. Uh, yeah. I think on housing there's a step change. So we're going to be robust in articulating what we've done. But uh, I think each party will um, contest the election uh, independently as a party uh, and will be open to whatever uh, emerges after the election. That's my sense Okay, but, but if people, if the electorate speaks and it is seen that they have... Uh, returned that same government in a sense or the potential for that same government would that would that from your point of view be uh, something you would consider doing would well, uh, first of all we're, we're a year and a half in we're a good long way from the next general yeah. election and I'm kind of uh, you know I'm not really focused on that right now and I think it's I, I say that genuinely because I'm not a short term politician uh, so I can't be taking decisions now on the basis there could be an election next month or in six months' time or on the, on the latest opinion poll. I think that that's 
in my view, is, is the wrong prism through which to look at policy decision making. You've got to make decisions for the longer haul, uh, and, and trust in the decisions and trust in people ultimately. Um, so, when when the election comes, as I said, it'll be it'll be a different dynamic to know, be completely yeah. different to know. Yeah. Um, and um, you, you know, we'll we'll assess it then. But it has to be around policy. It has to be around ideas. It has to be around orientation. What way do you believe Irish society should be organised? Like I believe in enterprise, for example. I believe in, 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 in individual entrepreneurship and allowing that to, to, to emerge. I'm not so sure other parties do as much. I believe in Europe very strongly. I'm a real pro-European. I think it's been one of the great transformational things that happened in this country. Uh, joining the European Union, we're coming up to the 50th anniversary in January of our accession treaty. Jack Lynch and Paddy Hillary would have signed that at the time. Um, and these, these these issues of substance matter. Yeah. Like in and, terms and of listen, the island of that Ireland. could be someone from Fine Gael sitting in front of me saying we're pro-enterprise and we're pro-Europe. So, it could. So maybe it the, could, the yeah, Gulf yeah. there is... And there'll be others as well, you know. Yeah, and yeah. likewise on the, on, on the island of Ireland, I've developed, I think, a very interesting initiative, the Shared Island. Um, and that to me is, is a more substantive, uh, analytical, but also outreach approach to really engaging with people in the north of Ireland. How can we share this island together in a practical way? How can we deal with climate change on an all-island basis? Without worrying about politics or constitutional okay. configurations and so on like that. So, okay. So, so look, there's a rich agenda there, and I think yeah, it has yeah. to be, but okay. you see, no, you if I just say very quickly, yeah. I just think politics has been too dominated by opinion polls. Uh, just, really, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been as a leader of the party, you know, for, uh, you know, I do a lot of political interviews and it's always on the latest opinion poll. And it's not enough discussion, I think, on the substance and on the policies and the ideas. OK. Um, now, it, it, by the time that election comes, of course, you will no longer be Taoiseach. So you've one year left as Taoiseach. What, what will you do then when Leo Varadkar takes over? I'd like to become Taoiseach. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that's important to, too, as well, to have that transition. Um, to show that we have the maturity uh, to do that as, as, as parties. As a, when I look across Europe, it's all coalitions, you know. Um, you know, Mark Rutte is becoming leader now again and in, 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 in the Prime Minister in, in, in Holland, for example. He's, this is his third, four, fourth time now. Uh, he's been around, uh, you know, but he's 25%, his party gets 25% of the poll. You know, yeah. so it's, 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 and, and likewise in Germany, we have three party coalition. So this capacity to engage with other parties has to be, uh, I think, is going to be part of the maturing and evolving Irish political party system. And you're confident and I think you remain as leader of yes, Fianna Fáil yeah. after you, after you yes, stop I being Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think also that, you know, that we have the, how to put this, that it's it over time, it shouldn't be seen as a big deal that we have this transition in government, that your, your Prime Minister, your, your um, a Deputy Prime Minister uh, in the second half of a government, that has happened far more frequently okay. in other countries than it has here. How is your relationship with Leo Varadkar now? There was a sense, I think, at the beginning that you were very different kind of people and that you were kind of uh, sussing each other out a bit. Well, we are different, I think, yeah. in some respects. But we get on well. Um, and um, we, we, we have, I mean... I'd like to think personally I'm uh, easy to get on with at uh, one level. Um, What's the other level? <laughs> Good question. How do, well, you know, at a personal level. I mean, politically, I might, people might disagree with my approach or people okay. might disagree with my approach in respect of uh, issues and so on or how I approach issues. Um, but... Um, I think the three party leaders, uh, Eamon Ryan and Leo and myself, have a good capacity to cut, cut to the chase early, get in touch with each other early if there's a problem. Um, and um, 
it's a, it's 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 a good relationship from that point of view. And how are you getting on with other party leaders? I suppose I'm thinking in particular of Alan Kelly. <coughs> have have you and he spoken since? Uh, the, there was a, a, an incident a few weeks ago yeah, where yeah, uh, yeah. he appeared to suggest you were calling him, uh, accusing him of untruths. But you said kind of ominously at that time, I've learned something about you and it will it will dictate how I deal with you in the future. Uh, have you got over that or? I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a bit of the father of me coming out there, you know. Okay. <laughs> and the teacher. <laughs> but... Um, Look, I, I was annoyed at the time. Um, people come up and have chats, chats, chats with you in the corridor and so on. The last thing you expect is that it's going to be on Twitter within five minutes. Um, but look, I've got over that. And Did you speak to him since? Um, yeah, in the car, not, not as much. <laughs> I haven't got the chance really, the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. But look, life is too short for that kind of thing, you know, okay. and you have to count to ten. Okay. Um, Khmer people are worn out, aren't they? Yes, very worn out. Um I was struck actually, Olaf Scholz, the new uh, chancellor in Germany, he did an interview after he was elected and he just said, um, we're all weary, he said. Uh, everybody's weary of this COVID-19 uh, and the impact it's having, the sustained impact it's having on people's lives. So people are worn out. Yeah. And um, I wonder now, is it about that people are staggering to Christmas? Is it January we should be worrying about now? January is going to be a challenging month. Yeah, is it? yeah. absolutely. Um, and um, I hope I, I'm wrong, by the way. You know, I hope all the modelers, I hope everybody's proven wrong about Omicron. I fear not. Yeah. Watching what's happening in the UK. I know they've had less restrictions than us, but they've had a fair degree of vaccination in, in, in the UK as well. Um, so I worry about it. And I, I think, but I think we can get over it now. You know, I, I don't want to, I think if we moderate our behaviour, behave sensibly, get this booster out and it's going going very well now at the moment. I mean, I think we're at about 1.4 um, million now um, booster, which is quite uh, yeah. dramatic. That would be 250,000, I think, in the last um, five, five, five uh, yeah, days. Really you know, so that's up, good yeah. going. Are know? people still a bit confused about who can get what where? <clears throat> um, well, the fact that we've opened up three channels, <clears throat> but I think there's a lot of practicality going on on the ground. I there think is. GPs are being flexible. Um, and I, I think they're, 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 they've been a great army. And I think some of the vaccinators, I mean, I, I shouldn't say, but in the Cork Vaccination Centre, uh, you know, they, they've taken it. I was with them last Friday. They were saying to me, you know, they've, they've gone between the walk-ins and the, the scheduled appointments and they just go out to everybody in the queue and say, look, it'll be a bit longer, but we're going to do you today. Uh, and that's the spirit, you know. No matter okay. how So, how like, long. it might be messy around the edges or whatever. <coughs> yeah, but, but we're like going to get this done. About, it's yeah, just exactly. about, okay, yeah. okay. Listen, can I ask you a question? I suppose people can sometimes forget that underneath the uh, inconvenience to our lives, underneath the economic damage and everything, that fundamentally what this is about is about people dying and it's about grief. And there's been a lot of grief in the country in the last two years. And I wondered, if you don't mind me asking you, in terms of you have suffered a terrible grief yourself and the, the loss of two children, has that informed you and, and has it given you a different understanding of the last 18 months, two years? It's hard. To, like to me, you've, you've summed it up there, you know, and one worry I have sort of two years on is death becoming a metric now, just a metric, you know. Um, like to me, that's the number one priority to prevent people from dying. In, uh, as many people as we can from dying, as many people as we can from becoming severely ill. Like that has to be still in, in the society we live in, the, the number one metric, isn't it? Um, but I've noticed it's kind of slipped, kind of like the language is how many deaths can we 
tolerate almost, mm. you know. Um, and and that's very, these are very challenging questions. But for me still, um, uh, it's about preventing death and about preventing severe illness. Um, we all have personal experiences in life. Um, it does give me a sense, I think, of the, of, the, of the finality of when death occurs to a family, the devastation that occurs to a family. And there was, we've had some terrible mm. young people, for example, as well. I'm not saying at any age, you know, when someone dies, it's a huge void yeah. in, in, in the family. Um, and in many ways, that's what Christmas is about, really. It's about family coming back together again, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Did it change you? I think it did, yeah. yeah. But I don't know how. You don't know, do you know, yeah, because yeah. you don't know how you would have been otherwise. I, guess. I think, yeah, I think when 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 Rory died, Rory died from a cat death. That I think it, 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 your first year, there's a lot of anxiety after that. Your, your certainties are removed a bit in life. Yes. You're, you're full of optimism as a young person. Something like that hits you. Life is no longer full of those kind of certainties, uh, and it makes you a more anxious parent. It makes you. You know, but you get you. You have to try and deal with that. You 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 you, you live with that. You know, and um, uh, and uh, yeah, I think it has changed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's two kinds of people in the world: people who've had a desperate shock, and people who have never had that kind of shock. And I think they they don't quite understand each other. Those two tribes of people sometimes, you know, because it does it just opens up a different thing in you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. but also. <clears throat> it kind of restores your faith in people too. Like I mean, yeah. what I mean by that, I mean the, the, the people who came to our, <clears throat> should I say, rescued the people that just rallied around us. Uh, you know, when Lena died, um, the people, the family were fantastic. Uh, people around us were fantastic, and and they got us um, through what was a terrible trauma um, in, in in the loss of of, um, of Lena, you know, and and, and Rory, and yeah. these people. Uh, got us through that, and um, you know, I was struck. Uh, wrote an article. I did an interview some time back, and um, didn't mean to do it because I never really talked about this. And I, we always kept it private to protect everybody. And, and I think there's an, there's an importance around that too, yeah. and, and the dignity of death, and, and mm-hmm. um, our last ones as well are entitled to, 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 to that too. Um, but um, the number of letters that came in from people who lost uh, children and so on. Um, resonated you know that 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 those kind of thoughts resonated with them so there's a lot of people out there yeah have had have had terrible trauma in their lives and the important thing is that uh, it's that family and community and the need to get out there engage again you know yeah. you do have to get up again uh, yeah and you do have to just get out there again yeah. and and meet with people and um you know, I, I often wonder, is that why I'm walking much more now? <laughs> you know, because I, I do walk a lot. I do engage with nature a lot. And I think that is important in terms of trying to rebuild uh, and develop that kind of resilience. Yeah. Never forget. Always remember um, and, and, and just engage with people. Yeah. Yeah. How will your own Christmas be this year? Quiet, I imagine. It'll be quiet. It'll be nice. I enjoy Christmas. I like yeah. Christmas. Um, I often see Christmas as that time of the year. I, to me, it gives me hope because I see that... that the, the days are just beginning to lengthen. Hmm. It always that, that day after. I love Christmas Day, uh, uh, and I like the the the, the, do, the the sort of the laziness of Christmas, if that makes sense. The yeah. do nothingness of Christmas, just lazing around for a few days. A few old movies will come on. Yeah, you, you know, um, like last year, I got the kids to watch Casablanca for the first right. time. Right, yeah. kind of an objective of mine. Have you something in mind this year? I'd love them to watch Doctor Zhivago, but I they look at me with two heads. <laughs> 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 Do you know what I mean? But as yeah. I, I, 
I just love past Christmases. Just I'd yeah. stay up all night watching Humphrey Bogart. I mean, and that's aging me now a bit, but I yeah, just yeah, love the acting, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the crack, but uh, and any film. I'm, I, I just even. I mean, De Niro. Uh, to me, though, those American gangster films. I just really, love them. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which would be your favorite? Are you Goodfellas person or more Godfather person? The Godfather. Yeah, I should have Godfather is just right all time and, classic. And listen, you know? to probably a blueprint for uh, for the yeah. world you have to live into a little bit. I'd say you learn a few tricks there. <laughs> Okay, look at T-shirt Gormagot, August Nolikonagot. August Tuhen Gormagot.